Welcome to the UK Flooring Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualization tool for manufacturers, retailers, and everyone in between. If you are going to the Harrogate Flooring Show this year, we, Cockrell & Co, are right next door to Roomvo. So make sure you visit them at Stand A31 in Hall A. I look forward to seeing you there. Now sit back, enjoy the show, and do not forget to hit the subscribe button. Right, Richie, welcome to the UK Flying Podcast. Who is Richard Argyle? Uh, Richard Argyle is the chancer that decided no more working for anyone. I'm going to go and make my own money. I had a younger brother that was in the flooring trade anyway. Yeah. So I bent the truth on how good I was at laminate flooring and went from there. How long ago was that? 18 years. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So how did that exactly happen? What were you doing before? And then how did you chance your way in? This is the strangest thing. My job before, I was abseiling. I was an abseiling engineer putting in mobile phone masts for when the 3G was coming out. Right. Before phones could make videos and stuff. So I was putting in the mask to make sure the videos could happen. Um, but we finished them all. And when we finished them all, it was like, oh, what do you do now? Become an electrician. Because I was partway through that thing. I saw the money my brother was earning doing flooring. Yeah. And uh, the company he was working for was looking for a laminate floor fitter. Yeah. I'd done three bedrooms in laminate floor. I thought, yeah, I can do that. Oh, Absail into flooring. Yeah. Yeah. Vertical, horizontal, it's, it's, it's quite similar. <laughs> so the customer finds you uh, hanging from the ceiling. That's... Yeah, yeah. if I get any tools stuck up on the roof, I know how to climb up and get them. So did you initially start working with your brother and then set up in your own? Or how... So sort of, yeah. So basically the company he was working for was called Rivermill Carpets. Uh, my best mate, mum and dad owned the company. My best mate kind of went, oh, you've done some laminate, haven't you? Well, my dad reckons it's going to be massive. So... He asked me to do one for him. It was just a lounge. And I think I got 250 quid for a day's work. Couldn't believe my luck. I thought, I've got to get into this. I then sought out a local company. Just by chance, uh, there was a company, Salesmark Limited, that supplied Quickstep Laminate. Yeah. They just gave me a load of samples. That was it. I just in. spent my first year putting a suit on every time someone rung and took samples around. Look the part, yeah, and it just went on from there. I got quite lucky. Another carpet company was there at the same time that I was measuring up. They said they were looking for a laminate floor fitter, yeah, and yeah, I just I spent the first year blagging my way through, knowing what I was doing, and I think I fell on my feet because Quickset was relatively easy, yeah, and because it's so easy to do couldn't really go wrong and if you did go wrong you could take it back out and redo it you click it together yeah, yeah literally yeah and how does the business look now 18 years on what what what's it what can changed so i don't know go going from driving around in a vehicle you never knew whether it was going to make it to the job or not to driving around in a brand new vehicle not having to worry about whether there was going to be jobs the next week you know i'm now at the point where i'm three months in advance I see it going from one week not having any work to trying to tell people I haven't got any time to do it anymore. That's a huge difference. 
and you're just doing laminate now or what, no, so, what, what have you gone into? So now uh, most of my work's LVT. Okay. Um, I still do a little bit of the engineered wood and I do a little bit of the laminate. But I genuinely, I found myself, I found it was important to go with the market. And so by going to like the flooring shows, listening to where people think the world's going and what the market is, and you could see LVT was going to be big. Obviously not as big as I re not as big as it is. I didn't think it was going to grow as fast as I always thought carpets were the way. Yeah. But to see LBT take over the market the way it has, obviously it comes down to Did you dabble with a bit of carpets or I, yeah, I fit carpets and my brother's a carpet fitter. Yeah. So I do do carpets, but I don't do them as much. I find I sweat so much fitting a carpet. And I don't want to earn money sweating if I can help it, but oh. it could be minus five and I'll still be sweating fitting a carpet. It's crazy. But yeah. I've never fitted a carpet, but I've lifted plenty of carpets in and out. That's normally what starts to sweat. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, yeah. So is, is LBT your, mo your most preferable, least sweating job that you do, or is that... Is that, that... Do you know what my favourite thing to do is self-leveling. I, I absolutely love the prep work. That's what I really love doing. Um, I will do bags and bags and bags and bags of it and never get bored. Yeah. Um, but the LBT, yeah, is it's mainly... Um, and we'll see, I mean, Nick... Somebody tentatively asked me to whether I'd be interested in doing some micro cementing, doing a course. They're saying, as you love doing this screening so much, what about a bit of micro cementing? We think that's going to be the thing, but I haven't jumped into that one just yet. No. I think to do that, I need to have a solid contract knowing they want me to do it. What does that, what does it involve micro cementing? So micro cementing is basically... Like polished concrete, is that right? Yeah, 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 very much polished concrete. So it's, if you're good at latex and you should be good at, all basically. I mean, the difference is the, the difference is going from being paid fifteen pound a meter to one hundred and fifty pound a meter. Right. So if you're good at it, for something you love as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a big jump. Yeah. In fit, in obviously it takes longer, but still, that is. There's no one around that I know that does it. No. So it there may be a gap in the market there for it. It's a very European thing, I think, and it's whether it takes off in this country or not. It's certainly. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if it's more in the resin world and the pot. You know, the pot. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not as common. You certainly have to no. look for the contractors. Well, strange enough, I just fitted LVT over the top of a resin floor right. like only last week, where they thought it was going to be great and it was going to be so tough and thing scratched to bits. It was going to cost so much to rebuff it. Yeah, they just put LVT over the top. But yeah, yeah. So, so how do you get your work nowadays? I'm assuming the suit's being hung up and it's uh... yeah. So generally, my work now, I'm I, see, I'm smart. I know that when things are quiet, it's important to have eggs in lots of different baskets. I don't, I don't just do my own work. I contract out to four other companies, and basically, I don't pre I don't give a preference to anybody. I'm very much first come, first serve. I will try and bend things for people if I can. So going around and measuring up is kind of a thing of the past for me now. Any private work I do is generally because somebody else has said you've got to get rich to do it. He's brilliant, or it, simply that. Yeah, he's the only guy. I don't. I've got a family now. I've got three children. I like my family time. I like being home at a certain time. I like being at leaving in the morning at a certain time. I don't really want to do a long day's work and then go out and do six measure ups. If I'm honest, mm -hmm. and not knowing that you're going to get the work, so most of my measures are guaranteed. Yeah, and by doing that, it's easy. 
communicates it. So yeah, it really does. So all word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. I don't advertise really anywhere. I only use social media just to put the photos up and things like that. So a lot of something comes from that. Yeah. And what's your go-to platforms on social? Instagram, really. I, I, you, I don't do Facebook. No. I have got a Facebook page, but I don't because fear when you use Facebook, you're kind of bartering against other people that you know that your name will get tagged in it and you'll see seven other companies are tagged in it. And some of these seven companies have been tagged eight or nine times and those companies are generally like, no, I won't be using them. And then, but you don't want to get into it. It's unprofessional if you start going on there going, oh yeah, no, don't use him, 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 <laughs> and him. You don't need to do that. No. People find out for themselves, genuinely. Yeah. Um, so Instagram, I find, it's normally if someone's liked something and messaged you on Instagram, they're only messaging you. They're not really looking around too many people. So I've definitely found that quality leads. Yeah. Um, uh, we we met on Instagram, and uh, yep. for the listeners, uh, we're now sat in Richie's kitchen. Yep. Uh, first time we've done a podcast from uh, from a kitchen. Yeah. So, <laughs> um. So let me roll on to my next question. I know what we'll go on to. So regarding measuring up jobs, do you do per square meter or do you figure out how long it's going to take and then charge per day? Or what is your go-to pricing method on average? Always square meterage. Okay. I always do a square meterage price. Everything's done by the square meter. Um, I generally do, so it's measured as prep work and then measured as final finishing. And then the price comes together from that. I don't, I don't do day rates. I just. What if it's a four square meter hall? How do you have you got a minimum charge? So if I do a four square meter hallway, there is a minimum charge. But generally, I'd probably um, farm it out to my younger brother, who's a floor fitter as well. Um, And so he will do those smaller jobs for me. um, And I'll do that. Either that, or I try and find a day where I know I've got another job like that and do them both and that way i haven't got to overcharge someone yeah i'm not greedy i i know what i want to earn in a day genuinely i know what i'm worth to start my van up every morning so, so you yeah. refer back to what you want let's say per day but charge per meter yeah so yeah so that's it i mean there is a general date you like i say you know what you want to earn every time you go to work that day yeah and if i if I don't think it's worth it to me, then yeah, I will get one of my brothers to do it instead of me. Yeah. Because they got more time than all Yeah. <laughs> Without throwing you under the bus, um, how do you get your square meter rate? So what I mean is where's that number come from? The reason why I'm asking is, we'll go back onto Facebook. I see all the time, how much to fit LVT, yep. 20 square meters of home. And we've got everyone from around the country saying 15 quid, 20 quid. Well, I get 45, I get 62. Yeah. Where do you get your number per meter? Where have you figured that out from? So now I genuinely ask around. I, I've found that if you ask different areas of the country and find out there is a big difference in rates from up north to down south and from certainly London, London's a completely different world. So, and I take an average. I, I don't want to be greedy. I'm not, I'm not greedy in any way. Uh, and funny enough, only a, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, one of the companies I work for low smoke up my bottom about how great I am, but I am very expensive compared to everybody else. And so I checked. 
So when someone questions my price, and I check, I phoned around a couple of companies, um, and there was a company down in Slough, um, and I said, listen, I know this sounds a bit dodgy, but as we're not in competition, we don't cross over paths, I just want to know what sort of prices you're charging for certain things. It was because I was doing a staircase in LBT, um, and I genuinely didn't want to cut myself short. I didn't know how much I should be charging because there was winders. I'd never done winders before. I'd done straight ones, but never done winders. I asked him, and he goes, out of interest, what do you charge? And when I told him, he said I was taking the mick. And I thought, oh, God, maybe I am too expensive. And it turned out I wasn't. He said that you are ridiculously cheap. Right. And I've never been called that in my life. No. So I contacted a few other companies, and it turns out, yes, I genuinely am cheap for what I thought it was. But that didn't, that didn't mean I automatically went straight out there and just whacked all my prices up like mad. Yeah. Because like I say, it's, to me, it's what I'm worth. It's basically what my time's worth. Yeah, yeah. What what has someone got to pay me to not go out for the day with my children and go to work instead? Yeah. That, that's what it comes to. And your overheads are completely different to what yeah. the next man up the yeah. street does. Even yeah. if you're working from home or you're working from a shop or whatever, everyone's yeah. overheads are different. Yeah, so they depending yeah. on... So the shop owners might think you are cheap. Yeah, they might think you yeah. Might, yeah. yeah, or they might not be making money. But that's. Uh, I think the key. I think the thing. What it is, is if I'm if I'm charging twenty pounds for something, then the person I'm contracting to is probably charging thirty. Well, the thirty is what everybody. If everybody's charging the thirty, the reason why that guy says I'm expensive is because he's now only going to make. A, it, if I put my price up, he can't put his prices up because then we won't get the job. So what he has to do is just swallow the fact that he's not going to make as much money out of my work. So which do you charge the same to the contract work, like the shops that say yeah, to yeah. what Mrs. Smith? Yeah. Right. I genuinely do. I don't change my prices. Again, I've been told by another fitter that change your prices depending on how busy you are. And I think where am I writing all these prices down? Why should I why would I do that? If I just that's my price, that's it. There's no oh if Jim Bob down the road can do it fifty pounds cheaper than you. Would you drop it fifty pounds? Nope. No, nope. that's my price. That's it. No, that's brilliant. Yeah. So, it's, who is your? I suppose who's the ideal customer? Because you're saying you're working for shops, you're working for Mrs. Jones. Uh, apart from doing the self levels, uh, which if you could do that, um, but who is ideal? Would you? If you're charging the same, who would you rather be working for? So, ideal is big brand new houses that somebody so a customer's got an idea in their head but they don't know what they're talking about so they need someone like me i like going into a house and actually putting my ideas across i don't as much as i'll go in there and they'll go oh i've seen these samples oh we really want this i love knowing but by the end of the top by the time i've left that house they've actually completely changed their mind because of something i've seen that I think would look great. If that was my, I go into everybody's house exactly the same. When someone turns around to me and says, we've picked this floor, we like this floor, I look at it and look. So I know straight away whether that's going to look good or not. I don't ever want to leave anyone's house thinking, oh, that looked awful. I genuinely don't. And how do you, do you take samples out? Or do you yeah, say? so so yeah, I try and keep, again, try and keep the sampling to a minimum. Right. There's, there's so many options out there. Yeah. Oh, and you can't possibly carry every single sample. So now I find that actually I tell, I, I, preempt, I would preempt someone. I'll say, have a look online, see what you think. Yeah. Get some ideas on Pinterest, go to a see what you think, tell me what you think when I get there. And then I send out 
full boards. I'll go to my clients. Uh, I'll go to the people that give me the flooring. I say, can you send them some full planks? Because nobody knows a floor from a three-inch sample. It's impossible. But like I say, you can't take a full sample of everything. So, so yeah, the dream is those giant, great big houses that have just been built. Yeah, haven't got all their furniture in them. And then take your input to that. Yeah, and take your input to it. Yeah. And obviously, if it's through me, I make more money. Yeah. But. And what do you go to manufacturer and why? So, uh, genuinely, my um, go to for LBT has been Carndine. Um They were good to me when I first started out um, and I've stuck with them. They stuck by me. I find them quite use The reps are very hands on. If you need something, they're very quick to respond. Uh, that being said, I was introduced to Brampton Chase um, at the flooring show last year, um, so I have used them. They're very they're local to me. They're literally down the road. They are next day delivery, yeah. and I've now used them probably fifteen times, and uh, never had a problem. One problem in the fifteen times, never had a problem with the samples, never had a problem with the quality in any way. So I mean that's important. Yeah, I don't really want to have to go back to a job because of problem with the product. No. If you can help it. Um, for self-leveling, I use F-Ball mainly. But again, I have used Instamat quite a lot recently. I think the Instamat product wasn't great. That's not fair. Not great for what I wanted back in the day. But they've put a lot of time and effort into improving their products. And I found with Instamat, they're quite honest. They know when their product's not working. And they will pull it and they'll bring out something new. Um, and that's kind of it with those. I don't really use any others to be quite honest. Quick steps from a laminate that I go to. Yeah. Um, wood is generally supplied by the customer. And what's the best job? Or not the best job. What? What's your most memorable job you've done in the last five years? Oh, I'd done a heritage range job for um from Carndine, and that was mind-boggling and I knew I was the one that had been picked to do it because they genuinely had no one else that was going to do it they were never getting away with it um, and it was one of those ones where when you open the front it was only a hallway but it was all over the place and I just I nailed it I absolutely nailed it and it looked stunning when you open that front door and I, I stepped back from that knowing Anyone walks through there is going to go, wow, who done your floor? So that was a good one. And I also done one recently as well. I can only describe it. It looked like a Bond's villain's house. Oh. The square lineage of everything, nothing was normal. There was weird white ornaments in the garden. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. Uh, and that was a herringbone job yeah. throughout. And it was about 180 square metres, but it was only two rooms. Wow. Which is a big area. Yeah. And it was a job of taking all the old stuff up just generally because they just didn't like it. And we were actually taking up something that was more expensive than we were putting down. What did you take up? Art Select, Cardine Art Select. And we put Cardine Van Gogh down. What? Which was, and the person that put it down originally hadn't screeded it properly. So when we were taking it up, all the screed ripped. A one a one week job took two weeks. But again, I talked to them into, they were like, we don't want any of that bordering. We had bordering, it looks horrible. Yeah. Like, oh no, you do want a border. So I called, talked to him into bordering, finished the bordering the whole way around this entire downstairs. And then before infield, I went, you want a black trim as well in between? Oh, no, God, no, we don't want that. You do. Put the black trim in. 
And then he looked absolutely incredible. So that was probably as a big job. That's the one where I'm saying about the perfect job. That was it. As much as it was stressful, 180 square meters are just two giant areas. Yeah. But when you've got a grand staircase with it all curved round. Yeah. Yeah, that was a wow factor. And I'll go over your whole 18 years. What is the biggest cog up you've ever done? Hands down. Hands down. I done one job in Milton Keynes. My brother came with me for the measure up. We were doing it in quick step. And when I'd done I'd done the measure up, it was on two levels. There was one it so it was a a raised dining area, one step down into a lounge. And we left the house after the measure up and my brother said, Let's walk away from that. And I thought, No, why? He goes, I've got a bad feeling about that one, Rich. I've got a bad feeling about that one. I no, they're all right. Well, I walk away, and I didn't. I'd done the job, and I, it, it should have been relatively easy. And um, it, again, it was in quick step. It was in maple, a colour maple, which is just—I don't know why anyone ever created a maple floor. It's the most hideous-looking floor ever. But those people—they—they oh, they were adamant. This is what they wanted, and even though Quick Step was saying they're stopping it because they, they weren't selling it, anymore, they, it yeah. they were adamant. Anyway, I'd done it, and I thought it looked great. Um, it kind of did. Um, and a couple of months down the line, I had an email saying, there's problems with it. It's all bowing. It's all this. It's, it's like, man, you don't get bowing from quick step. But it's not possible. Why well, the end's bowing? So I went out to look at it, and I knew straight away that they'd washed the floor with water or, or spilt a bucket of water over the whole thing, and that's why it was bowing. And I made the mistake of writing in an email, if it's my fault, I will give you the money back or replace the floor in. Yeah. And the judge in the court <laughs> said that was your mistake. Because it turned out the judge and everybody could see that the people were trying to rip me off. Right. They were trying to get double what the flooring cost. And the client made the mistake in the courtroom of saying, oh, once the stuff comes back in, we'll be having it done again. And the judge said, what do you mean? So how are you off asking for this amount of money if you haven't replaced the floor? And the man said, oh, no, we're not replacing it. Looks, we love it. It's beautiful. You should come and see it. Uh, but because in this email I said if there was a problem, I would give them their money back. I had to give them their money back. They didn't get the money that they were asking, but I had to give them that money. Refund them for the... Refund them for the materials, basically. And I dare say... Eight years later, that floor's probably still there. I can't see that they ever had it redone. Because I can't see Maple was ever going to come back into fashion again that they could get it. But this is my only complaint in 18 years. Well, so and officially it wasn't. Officially it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. a, a, a installation. No. no. Oh, the, the, the worst thing was is the person that went and done the study of the floor was a tiler. Right. Okay. Uh, and he was a, he was a, an investigator as well on the side and in his story he said that the planks were fitted too tight and I had someone from Quick Step writing a letter saying that's impossible it's physically impossible yeah unless it's against the uh, expansion gap yeah so. it's physically impossible to go too tight so yeah even the judge himself said the problem is is this inspector says that's what it is I don't know flooring I don't fit flooring so I can't say but this letter says it's that 
your email says you'll replace it if it's proved that it's your fault. So what am I meant to do? Mm. <laughs> and that was it. Still not a bad track record. But no, um, one in 18 yeah. years is not bad. I'll take that. I'm assuming you don't put that on your emails anymore. No. No, I'm very careful with my email. I don't write them. I'll get my wife to write my emails now. I love it. Um, bit off off subject. Um, who would be three people you'd like to have a pint with tonight? Um, dead or alive? Oh, dead or alive. David Attenborough, David Jason. Oh, that's cool. And Rio Ferdinand. Oh. So they're all actually alive. Yeah. Two of them just. Yeah. But yeah, they're three. I can't imagine that there'll be a moment of silence. I imagine that just, you couldn't get three more different but more interesting people to talk to. Yeah, I love it. Um, and if you had to change your profession again, um, what do you think you would be and why? Mm-hmm. Modeling's out now, <laughs> so I can't do that. You know, there were times where I generally thought acting, actually. I thought it'd be a bit fun being an actor. Yeah. But like, not a lot. I don't think I don't think I want to be a movie actor. I think I'd like to play like a bad guy in EastEnders or something like that. I think that'd be a bit of fun. Oh, British film. Yeah, but yeah, like a lock stock film. Yeah, I think that'd be yeah. the new Danny Dyer. Kind of. Yeah, I think that'd be a bit of fun. I think being a bad guy in a soap or a bad guy on TV. Yeah, I think that'd have been fun. Um, if you could employ anyone to come out to work with you every day, who would it be? Oh, not not saying the apprentice isn't any any good. No, so uh, wouldn't it be? Would, this is a dark way of looking at it, but maybe Cristiano Ronaldo, and not because just basically be be to have someone so big have to get down on his knees and actually do a day's a proper day's graft would be fun to watch. Get him on the carpet. Yeah, to get him actually, you can sweat fit in that carpet. Yeah, I think that'd be a bit of fun. Why not get someone? So famous. Yeah, that'd be fun. I had, I have done um, 60 Minute Makeover with Peter Andre. Right. I've done, done eight episodes of that. And I trained Peter Andre how to fit laminate floor, a quick set laminate. So I have had a famous person try and fit floor in for me. It was quite funny. And how was Peter? Did it, can he fit laminate? Do you know what? He was better at doing laminate than using a... Pass nail, nail gun for the framework around the door. That was it. No, no, he shouldn't. No, he's not any good at that. <laughs> no, how did that come about? Uh, through Quick Step. Quick Step gave my name out. I just fitted the. I've just done the Quick Step Master Installers course. Yeah. And uh, Darren Robinson was doing the course, and I think they approached Quick Step. Yeah. And uh, Quick Step went, yeah, 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 you can do this, but he's got to wear our t-shirts and all this. Went and done it, got down there and went, oh, no, you can't wear the T-shirts. So that was fun. And I've done one episode, and then normally what they do is they share it about. But I think I just clicked with so many people on the show that they yeah. just asked me to do a couple more. So is it per house you do, like, 16 houses or something? No, i just done, no, I done four. I done, so I've done four houses in the first series, and I've done four houses in the second series. Right. So I done one. I mean, Northampton was easy, and it turned out it was really strange. Actually, the person's house ended up my wife's friend's boyfriend's dad's house. So they actually, I got there, and they actually went, "You're rich, yeah." Well, I know you, and it ended up my hairdresser years later. So that was a bit <laughs> funny. But yeah, I ended up going to Surrey, Manchester, Liverpool, 
I ended up going around the country with them. Yeah, which was quite fun. It's quite, I'll tell you what was quite nice, actually. Peter Andre, when I turned up for Series 2, he when he first saw me, he went, Richie Vich, you're back. And that was quite nice. Because yeah. I thought to myself, he must see thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. And what was quite funny is because he forgot my name while recording in the first season. And so he must have remembered, I can't forget that guy's name again. That was really rude. Because like, the camera's rolling and he forgot my name. He's like, uh. so, yeah. You haven't been invited to do his house or... I get, do you know what? I, I got invited to his barbecue because he basically, he done a barbecue for everyone on the set. Right. And I couldn't go because my wife was pregnant and I had to get back. <laughs> so I missed out on that. Yeah, I love it. Best bit of advice, Richie, you've ever received. What is that and who gave you it? Oh, God. Firing oh. in the good ones. Tonight. That was a good one. That's a good one. Mm, Red voice. Do you know what? There was a guy called Sid Chapman. At the time, I was working for a van rental company and I was basically valeting the vans. I was fixing the vans, even though I wasn't a mechanic. I must have been about 19 years old. And this Sid Chapman was the local builder and it was his uncle's company and his wife worked for him. And he come, he basically had been raining really heavily. I got soaked through washing this van. I come in, he goes, lad, what are you doing? Go and get yourself a trade. Just doing stupid <laughs> things like this, mate. Because, mate, I, I used a moped to jobs, put bricks on your shoulders, and now look at me. I've got all this money, I've got all these cars, got everything. Like, Go and get yourself a trade, it's not wasting your life. And so, and now he's in this local area, absolutely huge. And strangely enough, that Bond villain house I was telling you about, I built, he built. Right. <laughs> so it's a funny how it comes round to that. Mm-hmm. I end up having to rip up the floor that he put down badly. Um, and what is the worst bit of advice you've received? The worst bit of advice? I think my wife's saying we should have another one. Is that fair? It was after one. Yeah, that was after, yeah, right. So after our little girl, she said, oh, come on, we should have another one. Maybe that was terrible advice, actually. <laughs> and only because I'm older now, so it's harder. My, my kids are very, they want me to play superhero. They want to do that. And if you've just done a 50 bad screed, it's really hard to put your kids on your back and play horsey with them. How old are your kids? So they're six and four, and they still think daddy can have them on their back and run around their gardens. And that's not... Floor fitters and horsies just don't work in knees of shot. You can get two bags of squeed on your back. It's, uh... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's good training. I don't need a gym membership. Oh, and if you had to start your business again, what would be three things you'd do differently to how you started? Well, okay. Uh, I think, generally, the most stressful thing starting up, but again, I think I covered it with saying, having a vehicle back in the day, I had an old Rover. Put the seats down in the back. And so yeah. I would have just took a plunge and just got a far better vehicle straight away. Whatever it would have cost, I would have just got out, gone out and got a better vehicle straight away. Because the years of stressing about not knowing where you're going to go out and whether your van was going to start when it got cold. So first thing, definitely would have had a better vehicle from day one. Yeah. The second thing... um, Possibly, I might have gone on a few more training courses because I'm yeah. purely self-taught. Yeah. I've done a few training courses later on in my career just simply just to brush up and just see if there isn't any easy ways. I'm always up for learning new things, but maybe from the start, maybe I would have tried to find more ways to do more training just to, because it's easy to get into bad habits once you're already in them. Yeah. And so maybe I wouldn't have got into those bad habits if I'd gone and done some professional training at the start rather than halfway through. Third thing, I can maybe tools as well. Maybe 
maybe not, I, I was one of these people that spent a lot of money on one tool because I just thought that's the tool right now rather than just probably buying more tools for the money. Yeah. I was more interested in getting the better tools and just doing it one by one, which was useful in fairness, but there's nothing worse than getting to a job and not having the right tool because you spend it all on that tool. Well, I think when you first start out, you can go out and buy the cheap screw fix or yep. yeah, yeah, cutting tools, yeah, yeah, cordlesses and stuff. Yeah. And you get all the stuff, but then you realise you're using it every day, it yeah. just blows up. Blows up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can't but you haven't got enough money to go and buy it. Yeah, the festival. So, oh, yeah. so it's a bit like which comes, it is chicken and the egg. It really uh, is. You, are you better off with a festival chop saw to start yeah. with? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just have that for ten years, uh, or you buy a, sh- a shit. So maybe, maybe just should have just gone out, got a ten grand loan, got a good vehicle, got a good set of tools from the start, and just accept that I was going to pay off this ten grand loan. I think I think that's probably a fundamental great thing. Uh, a proper vehicle, proper tools, but then charge correctly to start with, because so many yeah. people. Think, well, I'm just starting out, so I'll get this. Yeah, I'm just this, yep. and I'll get that. But yep. actually having the confidence to charge what you would charge yep. now yep. Uh, on a non-negotiable basis yes. uh, rather than even people that have just started out or even people that are struggling for work sometimes drop the pants to, to get yep. the work. Yep. Um, I think that's probably one of my biggest things that I would do is it would be charge correctly. And it's very hard to say it, but yep. if you can hold your nerve and do it, I think that's uh, yep. it's a... Uh, so we're going to go into the last few questions. So I was asked um, by Andrew Biss of Strippers Flooring to ask you, who would you do a duet with on the stage? George Michael every day of the week. George Michael. I'd kick Andrew Ridley off the stage and I'd take his place and we'd do a bit of Club Tropicana every day. And, but actually... It's cheating because you kind of know who's next on the podcast, but I I won't tell you how when I'm putting it out. So this could be to anyone. This could be to a manufacturer. This could be to the next guest in their kitchen as well. Um, what question would you ask the next guest on this podcast? You're meeting someone's parents for the first time and the mum has cooked a fantastic meal, but you're a vegetarian and she's cooked meat. And she'd be cooking this meat for five hours. How do you get out of it? Oh, oh I like that. Um, and last couple of questions. What's next for Richie? I'm currently training my eldest son, who's 18 in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and I'm gonna I'm trying to train him so he doesn't have to struggle and in the younger years. I want him to enjoy life from an earlier age. So I started flooring when I was 27. If I'd started flooring when I was 18, I'd have a lot more money um, and I'd have had a lot less harder years. So I want to try and make sure he's the best he can be as quick as he can without cutting corners. I'm very strict with him. I give him a very hard time, as Paddy would tell you. Yeah. But yeah, I want, I want to pass on what I know but also give him the opportunity to go around and find out what everyone else knows so I can start taking it a little bit easier. So you can eventually take the reins? Yeah, so yeah, he would take it over. It's not, I think it's nice to have a family business that just keeps going. Yeah. I think that's a nice thing. If you've built up this business and a really good name, you don't want it just to stop just because you have to stop. It's a nice idea that that keeps going. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good trade to be in. There's no doubt about it. There's good money to be earned. Yeah. As long as you stick to 
what you know. Don't cut corners. No. Just you do can, it properly. Yeah, do it properly and you'll make good money. No, and then the last one, uh, the hardest question of the podcast. What's holding you back, Richie? Straight in. <laughs> what is holding me back? Is it e- is it too easy to say sore joints? Yeah. <laughs> the sore joints would be too easy. So I mean, age, age holds you back a little bit. Is it age just It is until the other day. Do you know what? I said to someone the other day, I'm 44 years old, and the other day was the first time I ever felt 44. I've always felt around 38. The other day, I'd had a day, and I was like... Since you were 38, you told me, I always felt 38. Always felt 38. And the other day, I was like, Jesus, I feel my age. I genuinely, for the first time, feel 44. Even if I felt 42 a couple of times, now I feel 44. I know I'm in my mid-years now. So when you're doing screeding, I screed like I'm a 21-year-old. I can... I I love it. I genuinely... I once done 378 bags in four days, and I can tell you the money was ridiculous because I did not drop my rates just because it was bulk. I went, no, no, I'm charging what I normally charge. And we done it. We done it in four days. My younger brothers, my young nephew, by the Friday were on their knees and I was still ready to go. And if he'd asked me to do another 500 meters, I would have done it. So age is definitely, I come back, but unless cheating answer. Um, what is holding me back? I do you know what? Yeah, there you go. I've got an easy answer. What holds me back is I've never, I, I, I had an apprentice before my son, but that was only like two years ago. Before that, what held me back? The way to make more money in this is to have more people working for you. There's no doubt about it. The way to do it, to make real, real money is to have people doing the work for you. But I've just never had anyone alongside me that I trust enough that I feel like I don't have to go with them. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a, I'm I'm so anal about how my my flaws look. And it's just not being able to let go and just trust someone to just go out and do it. So that's the reason why I am where I am and not bigger. So some of the companies I work for, um, John Seymour Carpets, are huge. Jason Seymour is huge and he's worth an awful lot of money and he's definitely and he he openly tell you there's no way he's a better floor fitter than what I am but he has people doing it for him now but he's the same he took a long time for him to trust someone to take on his name let people go into his house on his name because his name is everything yeah and I still like okay I'm trying I'm letting my son yeah (laughs) but I'm still not ready for him to go and do a job without me being there yet yeah. So maybe that's, no, it. that's it. And I think there's a very fine balance because getting too big, the quality drops. Yep. And then small niche team yep. can make good money. Yep. Um, so bigger sometimes isn't always better, but I think mid-size, yep. um, just right. two to three bands, I said, that yep. you can keep an eye on that. Possibly. I think once you go over three bands, the bear only money too much. Well, that, Depending uh, on who you are and what, what business you're running. But it's, you well, because the weird thing is, is because... There's three of us brothers-wise, and we're all floor fitters. And then there's my son, who's training to be a floor fitter, yet we're all three, three separate companies. We've never took the plunge and just joined in together. Um, so there's a part of me that's like, I would have probably joined up with them, because um, if I've got carpets, my carpet fitting brother does the carpets. My younger brother was the first person I trained. Um, he's gone off on his own and done his own thing. 
we still I still do a lot of their work for him, LVT. If there's a big job, I do their job for them. But my accountant, believe it or not, actually said, no, you're doing the right thing. Because if there's ever a fallout, it has a huge impact on your life. By staying and doing it the way you're doing it, you're doing it right. Because it's not mixing business and pleasure too much. It can't go, if it, because brothers do fall out, there's no doubt about it. As tight as we are, yeah. when you start mixing the stress of the business and the in, money. on the money, on the family thing, I'm a bit happy-go-lucky with money. I'm like, I don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard. So, whereas my other brother's a little bit more careful with what he does. And so that probably doesn't work in a business. That's where the challenge is. You're doing a 360 bag screed. Yeah. Yes, fit in a, a nine square meter hallway. Exactly. And you're all taking the same salary out because yep. you're all a third each. Yeah. yeah. Someone, by default, might not yep. be overmitting with their situation. So and that, in the end, it'll take its toll. And it probably won't even be that that causes the argument. It'll just be that that gets brought up once the argument ensues. So, yeah. Yeah. That's probably right. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. better to keep your brother as a brother and not a business partner. Um, unless you may be working with them every single day. Yeah. I've done for years. That would be debatable because that could be uh, VAT um, and tax evasion. <laughs> yeah. See, but if you weren't running three separate businesses, it's not. Well, I mean, so so when I, so when we supply Cardine, my younger brother, I will. I I have a direct link with Candine, so I supply the Candine to my younger brother. And um, my younger brother's company is called Argyle Flooring. It's the cleverest thing he ever done because he was new to the game, and everyone around here knows the Argyle brothers. Yeah. So they contact Argyle Flooring, thinking they're talking to me and Ben, the experienced floor fitters, but we're not called that. So he gets in the work. He then gets us to go and do the work, and he makes the money. The smartest thing he ever done. Yeah. But yeah, so when we were doing the Candine, I supplied it to him. Obviously, he's my brother. So I was, if if the box is 90 pounds, I'll sell it at 90 pounds. Yeah. Then my accountant turned around and said, it's not the smartest thing you're doing, really, is it? It's like you're supplying a company that's named after your surname and not making a profit. So I then ended up having to put money on top of the boxes. Even though it was my brother, it was like, well, you've got to make a little bit on it because otherwise doesn't look great that you're supplying a second company named after your name and not making a profit from it. So maybe that accountant was the best advice I ever had. Yeah, keep it small. Yeah, Don't go into business with your brothers. Yeah, I love that. Well, thanks, Richie. Uh, brilliant podcast. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for your hospitality in your kitchen. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I can let the dog back in. <laughs>